Hello, welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. Today I have another guest on the podcast, uh, my friend Emma. Uh, Welcome, Emma. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. Um, So I wanted this episode, we're going to focus on mental health. um, Because mental health is a big part of neurodiversity and it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't get talked about as much in the neurodiversity umbrella, but it's important to highlight that it's a a big part of the neurodiversity umbrella. So yeah, um, I wanted to ask you, Emma, what was the first experience you had? Like, what was, tell me a little bit about your childhood and like, what that was like and then perhaps moving into teenage years and like when you started when you started experiencing mental health oh, struggles for sure for sure yeah. um my childhood i think i was definitely like predisposed mm-hmm. to anxiety and the world of you know mental health struggles um i was a pretty nervous kid a lot like back in the i mean i feel like nowadays uh, mental health is talk it's we still have a long way to go but it's more mm-hmm. so like getting the attention it deserves but like when I was little it was like just starting to be a thing so it's like now there's like telltale signs like you know if your kid like does this or that like I was like I couldn't Mm. sleep on my own for a very long time like you know mom stay with me stay with me all those things but it wasn't until I was 13 that like it was very clear that I started having symptoms I like Mm. it was the beginning of the year and I just woke up like feeling extremely anxious and all these things it turned out that I had like severe sudden onset OCD, which is very mm-hmm. rare at age 13, usually like presents itself like later in life and it's more gradual, but it was just like boom overnight. Mm. And um, again, like no one really knew. It's not just like, yeah. it's like, what is all these crazy things going on? I was like touching and tapping and just like spiraling. I think also just the environment I was in, mm-hmm. um, just I was in eighth grade about to transition to high school, just a lot of pressure on me. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that and so that just sort of spiraled and um I don't know how to describe it it was just it was pretty it was a pretty crazy couple of months but I was lucky enough to it sort of faded away on its own Mm -hmm. um I didn't really have any like medication or proper therapy just because you know by the time we figured out what was going on with me I finally started getting better on my own and then I had like a a nice grace period when I was Mm -hmm. like 14 I was like okay that was like a weird fluke you know what I mean but um, we didn't really know that that's like a, a lifelong thing. Um, and then I ended up relapsing again when I was like 16 years old. Again, mm-hmm. like transitioning high from school. high school to college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that lasted, honestly, six years. Like I only wow. yeah. got better when I was like 21. But yeah. um, OCD is like a, you know, when you think mental health, you think, oh, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety. Um, that's one of the lesser known ones. And it's also... Um, it's tricky to explain to people because it's like, oh, OCD. Like, oh, you're just like cleaning I've heard things. that yeah. a lot. I've yeah, heard like, our people say, oh, I'm so OCD because yeah, of this. It's, it's very tossed around. I'm like, yeah. actually, yeah. So uh, we're like, yeah. oh, you're just like a neat freak. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of different, it's not just cleaning. It's just this, like, it's a, there's, it's like a physical reaction to like the amygdala is literally inflamed. Mm-hmm. And like certain, like you have to, like your brain rewires things to be like, oh, like, you know, to your average person, like. If, like, there's batteries on the mm-hmm. table right now. Yeah. Like, this was, like, mm-hmm. out of line. Like, it doesn't mean anything. But, like, to oh. someone, it could be, like, like I, literally, like, the world will end unless it's, like... I've done that with my yeah. shoes before. <laughs> I... 
Wow. Because I've experienced, I've certainly mm. experienced this, but I, I guess I never knew there was like... Uh, like an underlying, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, because it's like I remember... Um, like, since I was young, when I was a kid, like, you'll notice all the shoes I have here, they're, like, yeah. neat, like, mm -hmm. and my sister, oh my god, it would drive me crazy, because my sister would just, like, you know, she didn't really mind, right, so she would come, and she would, like, knock them around, knock them around and they would just, pretty much anyone would just, like, you know, <laughs> would be like this, and I, no! Yeah, no, it, it's, it's actually pretty common, um, OCD does usually like uh, present itself like co-occurring yeah. with other anxiety disorders or just other like struggles in mm -hmm. general. It's sort of like yeah. you know, buy one get one free. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and it also presents itself with like eating disorders as well. I had a bit mm -hmm. of that too, like because like the food, like you know, you know all that stuff. So anxiety and OCD, eating disorders and OCD, a lot of co-occurring things. Yeah. But it's it's been pretty interesting. Um, I think I'm the only one in my family who has had it like really really bad. My dad definitely had um, severe anxiety. I get it, it's from my dad's side of the family. It's like you know passed down through the years. But um, oh, it also goes along with like Tourette's too, mm. um, and other things like that. But oh, I see. Um, and it's one of those things. I I actually like Googled it a couple days ago. It it only affects like one percent of the population. So, OCD? Yeah. Or Tourette? Oh. 1% of the entire population. So, like, okay, I got the, I got the lucky. I wonder <laughs> if that's, like, um, if they're not accounting. I just have yeah. a feeling that it's probably more. Yes, yeah. actually, I mm -hmm. would have to agree with that. Um, maybe just severe cases or something. But it's, it's very, it was very interesting because the, like, a lot of therapy you go to, like, feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, empower yourself, like find tools to help you like self-care and stuff but OCD is the complete opposite like you go to get help and you have to do everything that like is mm. scary like mm. you would go mm -hmm. like what you're talking about like you would go mess up your shoes or you know if like you think like the number eight is bad you'd go do something eight times oh, you know I mean? see. so you basically mm -hmm. go and like rewire your brain or whatever mm. but it was very difficult um like being in school and doing that especially in yeah. eighth grade because in high school they're like a bit more understanding because you know you're older mm -hmm. but as an eighth grader, I just like it was very isolating because I was like late to class because I had to go mm. back and forth all these times. They're like, Emma, what are you doing? Um, so I had to take a lot of time off. So that's when you started. You started the OCD therapy when you were in eighth grade. In eighth grade, yeah, but nice. not, but I think I was a little out of therapy's league because of just the level of my case was just so far beyond um, what any therapist could do. But um, so a lot of like my like recovery and journey had just been on my own like just navigating it if that makes sense like mm -hmm. a lot of the formal therapy it was very slow yeah. and it's really mm -hmm. it was because it's like you have to get on the wait list like that's like mm -hmm. a whole another subject yeah. like the accessibility is yeah. really tricky because there's so many people but it's like you can't just put people on a wait list like everybody needs help right now but um exactly you so. know yeah it's it's just resonating a lot with me when you're talking about the wait list because um that's a big struggle that people um uh, have now like getting adhd diagnoses mm -hmm. and stuff i've been reading a lot about well, i was just reading how in the uk there's like a it might be similar here too but in the uk there's over five years now of oh, the wait list for that's ADHD. crazy yeah so it's insane like and it's really unfortunate because like people really need help and support 
and um you know like a diagnosis is unfortunately like in this society i feel like it's a lot of times necessary for people to take you seriously Mm -hmm. um which it shouldn't like have to be and i i feel like the whole one of the whole points of the neurodiversity movement is to open up people to understanding like different neurodivergences enough so that eventually you know i guess in an ideal world where everyone understood it enough and accepted in the way they are then we wouldn't even need diagnoses because it would just be like oh this person is this way like let's accommodate them it would just i guess it would just be like automatic for people i see what you're saying yeah yeah Yeah, i think Mm -hmm. that's also something that actually turned out to be almost like a positive spin i'm gonna say like going through this process of trying to uh find help it really taught me how to like you know like advocate for myself and Mm -hmm. stand up for myself yeah just be like oh that's okay you have a wait list or whatever like really be proactive and like find places and like I, I was almost an expert in how to try and get help even though like by the time I would get off the wait list I would probably be much better but it's like you uh there's just so many steps too because like even once you get off the wait list you have to like make sure your insurance covers it and you have mm-hmm. to go through the whole thing with the insurance and then yeah. the first day you have to make sure you have all your intake forms and blah 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 blah, blah. so it's like making sh- like I would just I had to learn how to really be like no I need help for this like does your program mm-hmm. offer this, this, or that? Yeah. Yes, no, thank you. That's... Okay, on to the next. And then also, mm-hmm. like, sometimes they need, like, forms. So it's like you have your first appointment, and they're like, okay, fill out these forms, and then we'll start next week. But it's like, no, I need to start now. So, like, you, like, look ahead. You're like, okay, they're going to need my forms before we can start. So let me fill them out before my first appointment instead of going to the appointment, giving them the forms, blah, blah, blah. So um, I really, like, learned how to just, like, really present my needs and, like, stand up for myself and be like, okay, this place has a wait list, but is this even, like, the right fit for me? Because it's, it's also not an end-all, be-all. Like, you just, it's like, okay, this place is available, but, um, like, maybe I just don't. It's, like, really important to have, like, a therapist or, like, a professional that, like, you also get along with on a personal level. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, like, very sensitive work, like, uh, you know, yeah. therapy, mental health treatment. So really, like, just advocating for myself and also, like, not not settling if that makes sense mm-hmm. like there might be yeah. one place that doesn't have that doesn't have as long of a wait list but just you know i'm sure they click with some people but i just didn't feel completely comfortable with this person or you know they don't fully treat what i'm treating so to just be like really true to yourself and not settling and also like putting up a fight even though like you may get shit like the insurance won't cover this okay i give up no like there's always there's so many resources you just have to keep yeah. looking yeah, I think that's really important. Like, um, I think also with the mental health and, and therapy in general, uh, finding a good uh, practitioner. Yes. Because I've had, like, I've had therapists that didn't really help me very much. Mm-hmm. And then I've also had therapists and I, like, I'm lucky to have a therapist now that does help me a lot and understand yes. neurodiversity and everything yeah. um, and uh so i can certainly relate to that like finding the right um the right professional yeah um so tell uh what was it like tell me a little more about like was it some like when you first discovered that oh, yes. uh, in 8th grade 
Um, and and I remember you mentioning your your dad uh, having a history, yeah. having a history also. Um, was there like, would did that play a role? Like your your dad having a history, and then you you guys discovering that you you were experiencing it, or or like how did it happen exactly? Hmm. See, I think it was. Let's see, I, there's so many moving pieces, but yeah, I totally think that. Um, I was really lucky to actually have like my dad in the beginning of that because like even though it was definitely I don't want to say like you know it's not like what your average 13 year old is going to be going through you know maybe they're you know going out with their friends or whatever but uh, it was nice to have someone who I feel like understood me to some extent so it's not just like my parents were like why are you doing this Emma it's like you're you know you're late to school like why are you like going back and forth tapping all these things like my mom was very compassionate as well, but like my dad understood on a deep level and he shared stories with me. It really mirrored like what I went through. Um, he didn't have like severe OCD, but he would have like really bad panic attacks and just really bad anxiety. They put him on like, uh, it's called like Librax or something at 13. He grew up in like the 50s, so it was very like mental health was like non existent. Oh, yeah. But um, he would share with me, like, yeah, no, I, I feel you know, I felt this way too. And he like made a like positive. He always tried to find the positive in it, like try to spin it like, you know, this is like a part of what you're going through now, but it's like the reason you are like, it gives you Mm -hmm. your gifts to, you know what I mean? Like you're really Mm -hmm. like, you are really sensitive and vulnerable to anxiety and stuff like that, but it's, it's also a strength Mm -hmm. of yours. Like not like trying to like justify, like you should stay this way. Like definitely he wanted me to get better, but it was like, you know, it makes you maybe more sensitive and creative in some ways, you know, like that. But he, I mean, he, so he was definitely my, uh, like, supporter, like, emotionally, I would say. So I was really lucky to have them like that when I was in um, eighth grade. But my mom was, like, my number one advocate. Like, we're going to get, like, even though she didn't understand from an internal perspective, like, she has never had mental health issues. But she was like, I'm going to, we're going to get you help. We're going to look into the resources because I was a bit more involved as a teenager, like trying to find a therapist and stuff. But when you're 13, you're just like, I don't know, like, yeah, what's, what's 13, insurance? Yeah. What do I, what do I do? Mm-hmm. But what's insurance? And my school what's, was very yeah. understanding, which was yeah. really, mm-hmm. really awesome. They've always been super ahead of the game um, in terms of like mental health and self, self-care. Like I'd say like when I was in seventh and eighth grade, so like on my way out of middle school, they really started doing uh, like, we literally had, like, a specific class called, like, uh, I don't even remember. It was just, like, it was some acronym, but it was, like, basically, like, taking time to, like, do some med- mm-hmm. meditation yeah. and journaling. And mm-hmm. we'd have, like, mm-hmm. the school-wide counselor come and, like, we would, like, put questions in a box mm-hmm. and, like, she'd talk to us. Yeah. Um, and so, and they actually had her speak, come talk to my class mm-hmm. when I was gone oh. trying to, saying, like, Emma's, like, she has OCD and so if mm-hmm. you see her doing these things, like... She's working oh, on it, and, like, oh. don't be worried about her because she's been gone for, like... I literally missed... I, I finished eighth grade with a medical incomplete. It was that bad. Um, so, like, that, like, she's been gone for, like, a month, but, mm-hmm. like, she's she's okay. She's healthy. She's just going through some things, and, like, the teachers were very understanding. They, I got, like, extra time and extensions That's on all my work. Yeah. Um, they had me on a reduced schedule, so, like, classes like PE and music I didn't have to go to as long as I was in the core, like, math, English, mm-hmm. like, and so when I was ready to come back, they, like... They didn't like they let me like land the plane gently. Yeah. It was like oh. we're gonna start with two. I clubs. know that that where that comes from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, 
like you're just gonna start with and then I was mm-hmm. I was able to do well I was back in math and like English and so they added on like I went to a Catholic school so the religion class and they slowly trickled me back in and it was really a beautiful thing to look back on now because even though they weren't necessarily mental health experts they accepted that they didn't know like how mm-hmm. to they'd never had a student like this but they were very open to like okay yeah. let's they weren't saying like no she has to do this and they also weren't saying oh we know what's best for her how about she does this and this they were like you tell us and we're gonna mold wow, something that's for her. really good yeah. like i wish that most places were like that because i know like that's what i hear i mean i've experienced this in school like um as someone would like i mean of course it's i had adhd but yeah nobody knew at the time and like with that I had, like, executive functioning mm-hmm. struggles and, like, I needed extra time with some things. Like, it, another, actually, something I wanted to ask you, what was note-taking like for you? Because I always oh, struggled yeah. with note-taking. It was really hard for me, and that's something that I feel like in school my teachers didn't understand. Yeah. Was that they were always, like, very adamant about, oh, write everything down, write everything down, and then they would... Like, they would write these huge essays on the board. And then I'm supposed to copy everything. And then some of them would actually make you show your notes. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think, for me, um, my school is a bit more, like, progressive and understanding. Mm -hmm. And in that way, um, not just for me, but in general, like, even before, like, my struggles came up, like, I had a lot of classmates with ADHD and dyslexia. Like, Mm -hmm. several classmates. Um, and the school was always very accommodating to give them extra time and stuff, but especially for note-taking. And we also were, we were, like, the beginning, like, I was in middle school, like, iPads came out when I was in, like, fifth grade. And our school was very, like, not, I don't want to say the new trend, but, like, what's the newest advance in education and technology. So we had iPads in, like, fifth and sixth mm. grade. And so the, our school was very accommodating. They not, not even just for the students with, like, ADHD and dyslexia, with everybody, they were, like... I, I was really fortunate. My school was very, like, open-minded. That's fine. They were like, if you want to type your mm-hmm. notes, type them. If you want, like, we had little, like, apps where you can, like, mm-hmm. take. If you want to write, write them by hand, yeah, whatever works for you. Highlighting images, whatever, um, taking pictures of the board and then writing them. Some people even, like, doing vo- voice memos, like, mm-hmm. speaking them. Oh, that's really great. Yeah, so oh, they were very yeah. open to that. And, like, even, like, seating, like, we had quote-unquote wiggle seats wiggle seats like little like for like um some students who are a bit yeah like little mats and things wow yeah super and i was always like i want a wiggle mat wow i didn't i never got a wiggle mat because um and they even like went around saying like you know this girl is Mm going to be sitting in this seat and you know that just helps her learn that's how she learns Mm. and um we even had like little like class not classes but like little one-off things where again the school counselor would come and would talk about are you like a visual learner are you a auditory learner are you a kinesthetic learner like that's amazing. really <laughs> open and like pencil grips and little fidget things like wow. totally like and this was like you know the 20 early 2010s too wow like, I mean, that's really, impressive yeah, yeah. late mm-hmm. and so for me when for note taking for me i never had a problem like grasping like i could like you know, write down and do what I needed to, but it was just with the OCD, it was, I thought I was, it was very hard, I would have to rewrite everything, Mm -hmm. so I would, like, fall behind in class, like, they'd be writing and talking, and I'd, like, write the word, like, I don't know, math, and I'd be like, oh, no, I have to redo it, and re-erase it, and re-erase it, and re-erase it, and re-erase it, until it was, like, quote-unquote perfect, so that was very tricky, and especially for test-taking, too, because I would run out of time, not because I didn't know what I was doing, because I, and then the paper would get so messy, it would be, like, gray, 
You know mm. what I mean? Because you rewrite. <laughs> oh, and yeah, so yeah. they let me mm-hmm. take tests home mm. and, like, have someone else write. Like, have my mom write it for me. Mm. I would dictate oh, it to her. Oh, that's good. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was very understanding and accommodating. Yeah. Um, so I was really lucky to have that, even though, like, they, are, they were very used to, like, the standard, like, okay, someone has ADHD or dyslexia. Let's give them the extra time. Mm-hmm. Let's let them highlight. Let's let them, like, uh, they sometimes even have a reader, like, read the story out loud and then mm. whatever. Uh, but for me, they were like, yeah, we've never really like seen this before. But they were just so open-minded and um, they communicated well. They communicated with not just my parents, but like the people that were like my doctors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just very, like my teacher, like the first day I came back, oh my God, I put some lump in my throat. Like she gave me a hug when I came back. She was like, you know, you're really brave. I really admire what like you've been through. And, well, I wish I could Yeah, I know. Too. Like this, And I, I, I could celebrate them for hours. Um my elementary I went there K through 12 mm-hmm. so even and so when I relapsed I was incredibly lucky I didn't have to start over at all they knew that yeah. and eight, yeah like they like it was I got extremely lucky like I finished eighth grade with a medical incomplete which basically means like you know I did I don't want to say the bare minimum but I like got graduated with the mm-hmm. core requirements even though I had yeah. missed it and so I was lucky enough to be able to go to just continue my ed- I want that was my first choice high mm-hmm. school anyways but they you know any other school would have been like uh, you know, you di- you didn't have really any grades. How are we supposed to let you in for high school? But my school, you're only supposed to look at seventh and eighth grade grades. But the my my the school, they said like here, take her fifth and sixth grade grades. Oh, like let her like okay. see she's 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 smart. Yeah. She's she, yeah. she can do school. Mm-hmm. And so they looked at my fifth and sixth and seventh and mo- and you know partial eighth grade mm-hmm. grades. And they agreed to let me come yeah. to the high school. If I did a little bit of summer school, so that's what I did. Nice. And then when I relapsed, it was you know. It was hard, but they were like, oh, yeah, like th- mm-hmm. this again. And they were extremely, extremely accommodating. Again, like they let me like take home my schoolwork, like only like do the required like classes. I wanted to do more at that point. When I went, when this mm-hmm. high school, I was like, no, no, I can handle more, I can handle more. But they just made sure that I, I got what I needed to do. Um, and even college too. Yeah. So like, um, oh, mm-hmm. because, you know, I had relapsed when I was 16. Mm-hmm. I, I somehow managed to still apply to college and get in you know I was able to override some stuff but it was really I got extreme I've been really extremely lucky because when I my I went to the University of San Francisco for part-time and and when my high school communicated that um like you know she's been going through the struggle whatever they literally said no we want her just to how she is so Mm -hmm. I've been extremely lucky in terms of like education and um that's fantastic understanding Uh, but also i think it's just the times too because this is yeah you know i mean now i've also maybe like in san francisco Mm -hmm. the more progressive place although i know that i've i've discovered that it's still not a rule like if it's a progressive city there could still be yeah yeah and it's tricky also because it a lot of things like ocd maybe even adhd dyslexia like are very like not necessarily i don't want to say outward presenting like it, it's, like, tricky to understand. It's, like, well, you look fine, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, behind closed yeah. doors or just mm-hmm. more, like, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, it's, like, it was one of those things where it's, like, mm-hmm. I was able to hide it pretty well until it got really, really bad. But, one of the... It's it's just crazy. Um, I mean, I, it's something I'm relating to a mm-hmm. lot is when you, when you say that people look at you and they say that you look fine, yeah. it's just making me think, like... Because one of the main things that I would get, and I've heard like a lot of other autistic and ADHD people get this, sure. is that they we get called high functioning. When we say, like, it's literally, 
one of those things like and it's kind of frustrating too but like when you'll meet people that don't know a lot about autism and ADHD and they have maybe more more um stereotypical ideas of what it's supposed to look like mm-hmm. or or whatnot and they say like they say oh well you look so high functioning oh, or like yeah. your your autism is mild or something um and then it's like now i mean it's it's crazy because like i kind of like internalize like there was a while like the high functioning thing like yeah. I I internalized that for a while and I would even use it towards myself but oh. it never felt right you know because it was like it it's because it it's not acknowledging like the inside struggle exactly. and and like well how hard I try like how hard I I'm trying to fit in yeah. and like that that constant like your um like for most people it just kind of happens naturally mm-hmm. and that for me and I know like for many other people and you as well probably um that we were like it's like we're always running yeah. a computer in the going background really yeah. yeah I think yeah I see what you're saying it's like instead of seeing it as something to celebrate and be like wow like you're able mm-hmm. to you know be quote unquote like mm-hmm. in the world and stuff and it's more of like not that they're taking it for granted but they mm-hmm. just see it as like it's almost like a backhanded compliment. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is, and I understand it comes from a good place. Yeah, no, I think I think it's because yeah. we're like mm-hmm. in. Maybe it's like it's like growing pains. It's like mental health wasn't really talked about mm-hmm. or like understood, and it still has a long ways to go. And so, but people are starting to maybe recognize and understand. Yeah. But like not mm-hmm. fully yet, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's tricky because we get like um. I've heard, like, I got that a lot, and I also heard that other people get that a lot, the mm-hmm. whole high-functioning thing, and then, and another problem with it that I started realizing is that that means, like, by default, when someone calls me high-functioning, they're calling other, like, they're calling people that have a more stereotypical presentation of autism, they're basically calling them low-functioning. Oh, yes, I And see. then it's like... It's, yeah. and that's yeah. the, and it's, but the thing I learned also, because I was in a treatment program at one point where I, uh, it was partial hospitalization, so I was with other people. Like, I didn't stay the night, but I wasn't there for two. It was like, you know, uh, like 9 to 3 p.m., 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And so I was with, like, other people who have OCD. And, like, the thing is, like, mm-hmm. it's a diagnosis. It's its own, like, genre. It's its own, like, breed, if you will. Yeah. But everybody's is different yeah like it's mm-hmm. there's no one this person is has this subset exactly. but they have it so it's like i don't want to say beautiful because we're all struggling but it was very interesting to it was a very powerful experience yeah. to meet other people with you because you i back to what you're saying about internalizing it like i was like it almost became part of my identity in a way mm-hmm. like i am I am OCD, like, this is my life, this is how I navigate it, when it really is something that, you know, it might not ever Mm -hmm. fully go away, I'm in a much better place now, but, you know, things linger, but it, it's like, you have to, it's like, if I get the flu, I'm not gonna say I am the flu, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, like, I, it's, I, you know, I sneeze, I have a snowy Mm -hmm. rose, that's who I, a runny nose, that's who I am on the inside, but, like, because I had never seen anybody with OCD in my life before like this is just like obviously I know other people have it but when I saw other people not only other people but kids my age because I was 17 so I was still 
a minor, so I was with other minors. I still remember them to this day. Like, I don't know where they are because I had to leave early. It's a whole other story. But um, it was like, oh, I'm not the only person with this. Like, there's other people, like, you know, other, like, people get sick. People get the flu, they get over it. People get, you know, a strep throat, they get over it. It's like, it was almost like the same with OCD, even though it's more emotional and really taxing and tolling. It was like, it was a very powerful experience for me to be like, oh, like, I am not a problem. I just have a, yeah. I have, I don't have, I am not a struggle. I am just dealing with a struggle and to see other people and see their similarities and their differences was very powerful because it was powerful to see like, oh, well, I don't have that at all. Like I don't work. That's not one of my obsessions and compulsions. But at the same time, it was very powerful. There was this girl. I was like, one day I was like, wait a minute, you do that too? Like you, you, you yeah. do you tap things four sets of two times. Oh yeah, no, no. But I like the numbers. It was like, not to make it a joke, but it was like, wow, like. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I see you. It's like seeing yeah, you know, exactly. an animal let back in the wild, finally mm-hmm. seeing like, oh, there's other little... There's others. There's yeah. others. There's other birds. There's yeah. other tigers, whatever. So, um, and so it was this beautiful dual experience of seeing like, oh, I'm, this is not something I have to live with forever because it's, you know, I'm not this, I don't want to, like, I'm not this anomaly. Like there's other mm-hmm. people yeah. who are going through it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, oh, like... Like, but it, it's different. And, like, so you can't ever treat one person the exact mm. way. And yeah. it was just, like, to spend a day. It was, like, I don't want to say. It was a very uh, special two weeks of my life to hang out with other people my age going through something like me and learning about their struggles and their lives and their unique situation. But then also being able to bond and be like, oh, I've got this exposure coming up later. Oh, so do I, you know, guess what I did? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I touched the toilet today and I didn't wash my hands. Well, and I was like, well, I tapped something four times that, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, um, it yeah. was, they're very beautiful people, very hopeful people. I still remember them. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. I can certainly relate to like the whole feeling of identity and community. Mm-hmm. And that was really powerful for me. I mean, gosh, what started this whole advocacy yes. journey and I mean, of course, there's there's the training that that I went through and that you're going through now. Yes. And that that was really like um, that was the spark, really, the training and then the business class, which you'll, you'll get to experience. Hopefully, well. hopefully. You will. <laughs> you will. I know I felt the same way. I was always like, hopefully, but yes. you will. Thank you. And, um, and then it was like really that, that was like, um, like it gave me that, oh my God, I want to like, cause I, I realized that my neurodivergence was like a core part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, this is one of the things that. I can speak out about as an actor. Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah, and so I was like, that's what just started the whole thing. I was like, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, and I just saw, it was interesting because at the same time that I was finishing the business class, I saw how much disinformation was out there and how much stigma was out there, particularly around autism, because I remember, like, it's so interesting how this happened how the coincidence that it was like the last two weeks of the business class and to not spoil no 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 um, don't tell me anything okay um (laughs) yeah we were basically working on this exercise where it was about um kind of tapping into our 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 true selves um i mean like the training is yeah yeah sure but this like sparked that yeah it sparked that and then i was like uh 
like at the same time i remember i actually googled um autism support like yeah support groups and i was looking for oh. autist for community for other autistic people and I mean, like, I've been able to find that now, but it's been just through different routes. But sure. I, I realize that if you Google that, a lot of stuff that comes up is, like, it's a lot of parent... Like, it's very interesting because it's there aren't a lot of resources out... I think there's more of them now, but that there are not a lot of resources out there for autistic adults. And it's mm-hmm. really unfortunate because it's, like, this whole mentality that people... A lot of people have this mentality or this notion that autism is like some sort of disease because what it really is is a developmental difference yeah the neurodiversity and neurotype but a lot of people think that it's like this disease that goes away that you have as a child and then goes away and it's like you know exactly and it's like and it's a lot of that so i was and that was kind of saddening because i googled and i was like even here in san francisco really no kidding i know yeah and i was like a lot of these like parent-led groups and stuff and then they're like organizations like that are actually led by non-autistic parents of autistic children mm. that are like um the national autism society and the and autism speaks which sure sure yeah i'm not gonna get into Aww. autism <laughs> speaks but um that basically is this very pathological model oh yeah um this very deficit-based model of only like speaking of it like speaking of the negatives and the struggles and it's just very like yeah negative you don't want to like because you don't want to yeah you don't want to just have it be negative or also feel like people like oh have to be like touchy feely around you know it's Mm -hmm. like it just you just want to you just want to put it in the open and be like Mm -hmm. let's acknowledge the hardship celebrate the beauty of yeah. it and just you know let's be sensitive to each other not say here the do's like the, the you have to do this you can't do this. it's like exactly let's just have yeah. an open yeah. exactly and so like it was and then you know what really did it and it's i mean i guess you know one positive of social media even though there is there are a lot of issues with social media um but one positive with it was that that's where i was able to find a lot of like autistic oh yeah no that is that is a big plus um because it was like because like other because i'm on i was shocked too i was like I mean, maybe if I had dug deeper, if I had gone to, like, the second or third page on Google, I would have found something. But it was really, like... Yeah. It was one of the things that sparked my advocacy, for sure, also. It was just coincidentally at the same time. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. um, Yeah, because I was like, oh, okay, like, this narrative is not great. And then I, and then I, and then I, like, saw... And then online, I realized that there are all these other neurodivergent people... Mm -hmm. Like on Instagram, and then the algorithm, you know, just like yeah, you start following, and, and then it sucks and you then in. It yeah. sucks you in because it, it just starts like, and in this case, it was good because it was showing me all these different, yeah, uh, neurodivert like neurodivergent accounts, and then like, you know, other just like other regular, you know, autistics and ADHDers, people that are self-diagnosed, people that are on their diagnosis journey, yeah, people that are professionally diagnosed, people that are suspecting. Um, yeah. you know, it's like, it, it really, it, it does, it like open things up. Like even just one person being like, Hey, I'm, this is my journey yeah. and this is whatever. Mm-hmm. And then someone else is it. And then just things just yeah. start popping up. Exactly. And That's then, really and cool. then I started getting involved with like, 
you know, I saw like other like um, other autistics that had become advocates as well, and sure, even yeah. like practitioners that are either neurodivergent themselves or neurodiversity affirming, um, and just like so, all these different people and all these different articles and like yeah. different information started coming to me, and I was like, wow, this is really great. Um, and then it was actually, I mean, of course it was all a progression, you know, like I had the, the, I started an Instagram page and I started like originally just like reposting and resharing things Mm -hmm. that, because I, that I found like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. Like what this person is saying, I resonate so much with this experience and like this way of, of, of seeing, um, of seeing autism, like sensory sensitivities, rejection sensitivity, um, you know, uh, social differences, um, and all these things. And then it was like relating so much. And then I started finding out so much about ADHD as well. And then what led me to find out that I had ADHD, which I only got diagnosed for this year, um, very recently after like this whole journey begun, Mm -hmm. Um, was that, well, first I was seeing that a lot of people and a lot of other autistic people were saying that they have both. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I saw that there's some research that indicates that up to 80% of autistic people have both. Oh, wow. And then I was like, oh my God. Okay. And then I even started seeing this, um, a lot of people call it ADHD, A-U-D-H-D. Oh, it's a hybrid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I was like, oh, ADHD, like having both, like a lot of people have both. I was like, interesting. And then I started figuring out what ADHD actually was because I I feel like there's also there also can be a lot of stigma around ADHD. Yeah, no, it's a lot deeper than yeah. you know. And it's a lot deeper than just like being hyper. Yeah, that's or, what it, yeah, like yeah. You, yeah, oh, you're just like, you know, a hyperactive kid, you need <laughs> yeah. like, no, 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 there's it's so much more. Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um yeah. anyways, but yeah, like I started figuring out like for me the way it present like one of the way it presents it's like one of the way I can summarize it is like the push and pull of like hyperactivity and being really hyper focused on stuff and then also executive dysfunction and and like sometimes being really burned out and not sometimes like not knowing if I'm going to be in hyper focus or in burnout yeah it's like it's like uh on or off on or off exactly it's the regulation it Mm -hmm. became clear to me that it's really not and it's also because a lot of people think about and I think it's name it the name doesn't do justice because it's like it's not really an attention deficit it's a difficulty with regulating attention yeah um and I started figuring that out and then I start I I remembered and my dad doesn't actually like he doesn't talk about it a lot but my dad was diagnosed with ADHD just a few years ago himself Oh. And um and then it made so much sense to me too because I was like there's so many little things about my dad like yeah. the way that he is and the way the, the he does and stuff and I'm like That's oh, yeah, that's interesting yeah. you say that. It's so true. I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. times sometimes it's like the like once it's like you can look back almost like once you find the diagnosis then you're like, Oh, that mm-hmm. makes so much more yeah. sense now when <laughs> it like it should be the other way yeah. around almost. It's like, okay, here's the diagnosis yeah. now you see all these things it's like everything's like mm-hmm. this like they're just like highlighted more like oh yeah. this you connect the dots and it like mm-hmm. it just i don't want to say validates but it just makes everything more like oh okay that's where this this is not this confusing just 
little idiosyncratic or just little things specific to you. It's yeah. like, this is something that, like... I think, yeah, there there is a part of it that is, like, kind of validating to, mm-hmm. like... Um, you know, put the puzzle together. Because you put the puzzle <laughs> together. Like, yeah. you'll still have struggles, like... I, I heard one one person, but it's like you can understand, you can yeah, strategize. So you, can, you can be aware, but you can be like, oh, that's... Yeah. Yeah, same with like my OCD too, now that I'm better. It's like if a little thought pums, pops up, it's like I know I don't have to act on it. It's like, oh, no, that's just that's mm-hmm. just that intrusive thought or that's yeah. just that little mm-hmm. thing. I don't yeah. actually like have to... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like it becomes... It, it helps with like understanding yourself Mm -hmm. even more and then like even my dad like it helped me understand my dad even more and i was like oh my god that makes so much sense now and then i was like no wonder like i've always had this push and pull of hyperactivity and executive dysfunction and in the beginning i was always i just attributed it to like a personality thing which i think internalizing it it internalized internalizing it's like oh okay i guess i'm just like this and then i started you know when i started reading more about autism and neurodiversity I was like, oh, I guess it could be... Because, like, I read about other autistic people experiencing it, too. And then I realized... But it still didn't make sense to me, you know? I was like, but it doesn't feel like autism. It feels like it's mm-hmm. something else that's going together. And, and, and but, but I knew that a lot of autistics had it, too. But then when I realized, wait a second. 30 to 80% of autistics also have ADHD. Yes. And this feels like a very ADHD thing. And then I was actually even talking to someone from the Meisner training, but they're in first, I think they're in second session now. Their name is Jewel. They, we, I, one of the things I mentioned was like, oh yeah, the, the push and pull of like hyperactivity and executive functioning. Mm -hmm. And it was, that was like a big revelation to me because like at that time, so basically, okay, like I said that, and then Jewel was like, isn't that more of an ADHD thing though? And I was like, and and I, I was already like, pretty much realizing that I probably did have ADHD as well, but I was like, I hadn't, um, I guess I really hadn't made, I was still like, learning how to differentiate, differentiate what's the autism and what's the ADHD and what's like them what's them kind of mixing and what's them also sometimes kind of um fighting each other Mm, like i had that mm. with like autism really wants like routine and then adhd really wants like yes spontaneous sporadic yeah yeah Yeah. and and it's it's funny like that's just one example but like yeah they're so opposing sometimes they're opposing so like yeah no i yeah yeah, that's like it's like tricky enough to just be able to like sort out like okay what is this right now wait so yeah yeah, i I definitely get that so so she mentioned that she's like oh isn't that more of an adhd thing and i was like oh yeah i think it is you're right um and then i was like that's like at that point i was I was like self-diagnosed or i was beginning to self-diagnose um and then it was just like it just kind of happened, like, because um, around that same time, I was having some problems with insomnia mm-hmm. and, like, uh, just hyperactivity and at night and, like, racing thoughts and, like, yeah. it was hard to fall asleep. 
And then I actually started working with someone uh, that specializes in insomnia, but he also specializes in ADHD. Oh, interesting. Um, and then he was able to, because I brought all, like, you know, in the first session with him, he asked all about me and my stuff. And your history and all. My history. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I asked him, I told him, I mean, I, you know, I told him all these, like, um, autism, ADHD, uh, I was suspecting ADHD at the time. And, uh, and then of course insomnia and he went, he like went through the DSM, um, criteria for ADHD with me, asked me all these questions and I, and then he said that, um, he said that I, I met the criteria for combined type ADHD and I was like, wow, I was like, even though I... I uh I was suspecting. I was starting to suspect a lot. It it is something like I mean especially and I know people get diagnosed in their 30s, 40s, 50s, yes. 60s, but like in your late 20s like all of a sudden you, you get all these answers like I was getting all these answers to like different and it's kind of a cascading effect. It's like you think about it, like, in the next, in the following days, mm-hmm. in the following mm-hmm. weeks. I remember just being like, wow, okay, so that's, yeah, that's where all that came from. You need from. to, like, take yeah. back and process mm-hmm. everything that's happened ever. It makes you, like, rethink things. It's, it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's, yeah, it's yeah. a very, it's, I, how do you even describe that? But, yeah, it's like you look back and you're like, oh, that's what that was. Yeah, it's not just an individual like struggling. Like this is this weird thing that I've been like turmoil Mm -hmm. whatever. It's like oh, this is a solid thing. Does yeah, yeah, like that. It's like has happened and has been like noticed or observed Mm -hmm. or scientifically whatever enough to where they can like properly categorize it. Exactly. I was like that was such a a huge revelation to me. I was like, wow. I mean, I guess you know. It's not that I didn't, like, suspect it, but I was, like, it, still, like, I was, it like... It deeper than you It was thought, yeah. deeper than I thought, and it was, like, the confirmation, and I was, like, wow, so I really do have combined type ADHD, and... Yeah, anyways, it's, yeah, no, it's the don't. journey, yeah. It is, it's... and then it just becomes, like... It's, like, it doesn't become a part of your identity in more so of a detrimental way, like, oh, this mm-hmm. is what I do, like, I can't handle this i struggle with this it's like almost turns into like an empowered thing like hey oh yeah wow like i can own that like yeah this is not just this thing that makes me like you know different or like mm-hmm. out of whatever it's like this is like a a big part, a part of me. a big part yeah. of me that like i know mm-hmm. like it has it's like it's a you like you just you tighten the screws you don't have a bunch of loose screws that are like oh these are all these things i do and it's caused me trouble it's like no these are things that have happened and now i'm like more cemented in who i am for yeah it. and um yeah, like, that was a huge thing with, like, for me, like, discovering, like, um, the the neurodiversity paradigm and all these other neurodivergent mm-hmm. people. And then, like, that sense of identity. And I'm, I'm kind of, like, recentering my brain because I know my brain is trying to jump. No, no, absolutely. There's, like, I, I know it's like you're opening, like, a bunch of new tabs. You're like, oh, you said yeah. that, so let's touch, talk about this, this, this. Yeah. Uh, that, that sense of identity. So I guess what I wanted to talk about first, and I'll just make a little note here mm-hmm. so I don't forget my next thing. But um, there is... 
I mean, I think it also depends because there are some autistic people that like prefer person first language, but there I I've discovered that a lot of the big majority of the I of the autistic community prefer identity first language. Mm-hmm. Um as autistic person in, as opposed to person with autism even though the it's because the predominant paradigm sadly is still the pathology paradigm even though we're trying to shift we're trying to to shift it with the neurodiversity paradigm but like person with autism became kind of the standard way of of um I guess I guess the standard language and a lot of but it really is kind of like I consider it I I personally and I know this is the case with a lot of people but like the reason I like and a lot of other people like identity first language is because it is kind of recognizing that it is a part of us and it for us it feels weird like the reason I don't resonate so much with person first language with like person with autism is it, and I even saw like someone made a drawing that was like super accurate mm-hmm. um is that when people say person with autism it feels like I'm like walking and I'm carrying a bag yeah. that says autism on it yeah and when they say autistic person it's really like the autism is inside of me and it's like it, yeah. it's it's like I think they drew it as like a little like rainbow thing like with but all over your body. Yeah, like draped over you. Yeah, exactly because it's like part of you because it's it like is. it influences it um a lot of how like what you do and like how you think and how you process information. Yeah, so inter- integral. Yeah. It's integral and I think there is kind of like this narrative there is something that non-autistic people say that I, it's one of those things that, like, I, I get it that it comes from a good place, or they, they, but they say stuff like, your disability doesn't define you. Oh, yeah. And I, it just kind of, like, I understand where it's coming from, and I understand, of course, it's, like, they, it's coming more from, like, not, not wanting to say that, oh, you know, I, I can't, that that mentality that I have experienced where where is a more overt kind of ableism that some people have where they exclude you mm-hmm. from certain things because they presume incompetence by you being disabled. And I so I can understand where it comes from, why they say that. But at the same time it does it it rubs me weirdly because it's like, well, what if it does define me? What if oh, it does? Yeah, there's there's an empowerment. It's not just like like erasing, like oh no, you exactly. Just, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. making it highlighting like, it in a good way. Yeah. It's highlighting in a good way, and like a lot of times, I think it's necessary to like have that perspective as well because because it's like it can help you understand when it comes to developmental disabilities or differences like autism and ADHD. I think it's helpful, like, even from the perspective of the non-disabled person that is working with the disabled person, to understand that, like, a lot of the um, behavior and whatever that they're presenting is, there's a reason behind it, like, the, it, it relates to the whole way they, a lot to the way they process information, mm-hmm. um, and... 
I feel like there is, it also goes into, like, another thing that's unfortunate is that, like, we have a lot of behaviorism culture here, where I think a lot of people, they just focus too much on the behavior, like, this person is having a meltdown, but they don't really ask themselves, why is the yeah, person the underlying having... underlying cause. Exactly, like, like yeah. what it's really, it's really, like, and then it's just unfortunate, too, that, like, a lot of, um... A lot of times people get told, like, in certain kind of programs, they get told to suppress their stims mm. or to not have meltdowns or just, like... But it's never, like, but what... And stimming is a thing that, like, I feel, and I I know many people agree as well, and it's one thing that I think non-disabled society is still learning and there's more progress to go is like that stimming isn't anything bad that i think stimming it just because non uh, because non-disabled people are not used to it sure they it just kind of there's something about it that makes them uncomfortable mm. because it's an unknown and they don't understand and i think a lot of times it's like that's why they prohibit it and then, of course like i will say there are instances like there there is hard stimming and it, hard stimming is when it becomes when the person can end up injuring themselves yeah. or others just knowing your limits and then yeah. yeah like if it become if it gets to that point of course you want to find an alternate stim like i think the the, the best thing to do is like understand what what is causing the stimming if it's like a sensory trigger or whatever and then remove that trigger or find an alternate stim if the trigger can't be removed. So, like, mm-hmm. if the person is, like, stimming with, like, a, I don't know, like, a, a pen or a knife or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe something that's a fidget toy that's, like, less yeah. sharp. Yeah, like a um, little squishy ball or something. Yeah. And so, and then and that, and that it's really, like, if you can, if you have a situation where it's a stim that's not uh not that then the person is not hurting themselves or hurting anyone else then then it's like really i feel it's one of those things that should be normalized mm-hmm. and um anyways like uh when it when it goes um so when when people like try to try to get people to suppress their stims or or to just simply like stop melting down or whatever it's like i i use this analogy that they're they're basically like silencing the fire alarm mm. instead of putting out the fire like that's a yeah. really good way that that really makes a lot of sense yeah. that's really good yeah yeah, yeah wow because yeah, i was like and then it just clicked for me like i started thinking about it like that and i was like because i think i saw someone else say like maybe they used an analogy like that and and then i was like yeah, it really clicked. I was like, gosh, like, that's, that's really, like, it feels to me, and of course not everyone is going to agree, but it feels to me that but that's a lot of, like, what behaviorism, I think when it comes to autism and ADHD, because I think, like, there are some things that can, behaviorism can help, um, and perhaps it's a little different with like OCD. I think it's so. It's not to say that it's no, no. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. It's like it. You know, you can't just ask someone to stop like 
you know, yeah. doing a, a compulsion is mm-hmm. you have to get to the like obsession. Cause like, okay, you can make them mm-hmm. stop cleaning or stop tapping, but it's in five, 10, 15, 20 minutes, an mm-hmm. hour, it's going to come up again. So getting to the underlying cause, like, why is this making you Yeah, that's, exactly. That's what it's all about. Exactly. So yeah, like that, that comes up. So like when we think of things like that and then, and then, so that's the part of, that's the part that I don't like as much when people say your disability doesn't define you because it's like a lot of times like in order to it's not that it doesn't see because it I, I understand that it's like I think people misinterpret it too because like when I say it it's like the when I criticize it I'm not saying that our disability defines a hundred percent of us like obviously there is we have personalities as mm-hmm. well that go along with it so like i get like that's there's there's truth in that but then it's also like it does define a lot of how we cross like how like i said earlier like how we process and how we interact with the world mm-hmm. um so so that's why it rubs me wrong and i don't know this is like a random story when I was like last month, I was uh, I went to Philadelphia for my I have a cousin that got married, oh, yeah, yeah. and I was in my hotel room, and it was like I was watching the news, uh, in Philadelphia, and it was like curious like oh what is what's on the news here, yeah, and and then it was actually like they were showing so there was this um, segment on where I think they were at like uh it was like something with a program with disabled kids and then like and i liked it like it was like and it was actually very good it seemed like a very kind of um affirming kind of environment sure, where yeah. the kids were like being allowed to stim and 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 such and just like kind of embrace their um their positive traits yeah like and, uh, like uh, like you know, address their, their needs and but then yeah. also celebrate, like, exactly. and allow things that... Exactly. Just, I don't want to say are harmless, but, like, that's just yeah. who they are. Like, it's yeah. who they are. And so, and, you know, I was, like, really enjoying it. And I remember, like, oh, okay, like, this seems cool. And then at the end of the segment, <laughs> like, one of the, one of the teachers or, or someone that was there... They said that line. They said that line like, oh, that your disability doesn't define you. And I was like, okay, I understand. Like, I understand where it's coming from. I understand it's coming from a good place. But then it also, I don't know, because, like, it's complicated. Um, For sure. Yeah, it's like, I just, and, and I don't know, like, what I feel like sometimes is that and I, I get it that people don't realize it when they say that. But some, and because I've read other disabled people talking about this too, is that when sometimes when they say that, it feels like they're saying, I don't want to see your disability. Mm. Um, and I know that that's a lot of times not what they're trying to say. And I get, but it's like, it feels like it's that kind of, it's the same thing where it's like, someone that's black might say you know that they don't like when people say that they don't see color because then it's like there it feels like you don't see them yeah Mm -hmm. or like a queer person like 
I don't like to say to a queer person that I you don't see queerness, and it's like okay, you don't see me. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, um, yeah. so that's I guess that's the part of it that's like. No, I I understand that. Yeah, I totally get that. Um. So uh, and then also going back a little bit like to when you said another thing that I I resonated mm-hmm. with when you talked about um spectrum and like how important it is to to realize that everyone is like um has like different traits to different intensities and then that's what i like because so there's this thing like with autism like um i feel like a lot of people when you say spectrum they think of it as a linear scale, but it's really like the way I think of it is a pizza graph of like, because yeah. it's not just like one scale of like, because like when you think of it as a scale, like less autistic, more autistic, it's, it's like, like you're judging, comparing, you know, exactly. And it's like you're thinking of, of autism as like one, you're basically thinking that every autistic person is the same. Um, or, or is that every autistic person is like can be measured on the same can scale, be measured yeah. on the same scale and it's not because it's like because there's so many different little traits like like speech differences like sensory differences like social differences yeah, it's like impossible you know, to have you can't yeah and yeah. it's like and then each one not only is like each one of those not only can there be like so many different pizza slices, but like each one of those slices can be different levels. And then like some person can have like higher support needs sensory wise, but lower support needs like social wise or like speech wise. Yeah. So you can't really say, Oh, this person is very autistic or Mm -hmm. mildly autistic. And, and I, I, it's just like, I still, I still hear people like use spectrum as if it were linear mm-hmm. and um yeah and it's like it's really like so so much broader than that for um, sure and uh so the next thing uh okay I just had this thought <laughs> I just like it and now it's just one of those moments where I had a thought and no, it it'll kind come of, back. it'll come back. It'll come back. Yeah. Um, but one of the, another thing that I had written down that, um, I wanted to talk about is like, I guess continuing this, this path, like that I went on, like mm-hmm. the, the trajectory, like I had the, I had the social media page and then. I I had the I started the, you know, cause like, in the beginning I was like sharing like a lot of stuff from other advocates, um, and then. Eventually, uh, oh, okay. It's back now. It's back. Go now. for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so also, well, and then not only is it like different different um. Different traits to different intensities, but like those intensities, like the individual intensities of of each trait, can can be dynamic as well. Mm. Like that's another thing I found out, and I'm not sure if like you experienced that with with OCD as well. Is like that some days you have like more sensitivity or more. Like I don't want to say it 
morphs, but like you go in like waves. It fluctuates. Yeah, right? it fluctuates. Yeah. It definitely mm-hmm. does fluctuate, which yeah. you know isn't. And for some people, but then even there's fluctuations with the fun fluctuations. Like some mm-hmm. people do fluctuate, some people don't. Like I know some people that like just have their set whatever, and that's what it is. Like I was more fluctuating, like, and I remember my therapist was like, "Oh, you know that doesn't really usually happen." And I was like, "Leave it to me. Yeah, I'll I'll find a new a new corner of this mm-hmm. this interestingness." But yeah, yeah no, it, it fluctuates. Yeah. Sometimes day by day, sometimes month by month, sometimes yeah. period flare up whatever. Yeah, so that's why, like, that's another reason why I feel like, I feel like people need to transition from, like, thinking of it as a linear scale, Mm -hmm. because it's really, like, because you can't say, because, like, I may appear high-functioning some days, but then it's, like, it, my support, or I may appear to have low support needs one day, but then, like, my support needs can feel... Like, the next day, I might feel more support needs. I might feel... Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, honestly, the thing, like... We just gotta stop, like, labeling and coming mm-hmm. at this as, like, such a, like, a scientific way. Or, like... Because you can't really... There's no, like... There's... It's... it's nature's gonna run its course yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you can only, like, pinpoint... It's like whack-a-mole. It's like, okay, we solved this. But then this yeah. is popping up over here. <laughs> so, it's, like instead of labeling and, like, trying to cement and pin down things, I really think, like, because that's what really helped me get better. I never really had any formal therapy um, long enough to help or anything like that. So I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to, like, work like work on it. Like, you know, like, I don't know, just, like, things are, like, natural and organic sometimes. You know, like, peop- you can't, like, you know, babies just learn how to walk. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things, like, you can't pin, like, oh, today they took, like, 1.25 steps. And, you know, like, yeah. everybody has their own mm-hmm. learning style and yeah own, everybody has what they need to learn work on and their own ways of getting there and their own oh, there's just too many moving pieces yeah. sometimes i think exactly i think that um i think because of the society that we live in that's like very capitalism driven and oriented ends up like that's what ends up um categorizing like ends up like trying to categorize or just like you know like mild or moderate or something like yeah and also like just because we've just like made so many advances like like well i don't even know if this sounds weird but like you know it's like we like figured out like you know the human anatomy or it's like oh there's you know you can look internal there's like Mm -hmm. bones and everything and you can label all those things everybody's got you know yeah Mm -hmm. femurs and whatever but now like we're getting smarter and more like advanced and it's like we're getting into the mind now and the mind is not something that i don't think is ever going to be fully fully understood so we can't just we can Mm -hmm. label the brain like oh the amygdala over here Mm -hmm. cortex whatever but it's like thoughts and dynamics and diagnoses and stuff like that like we can understand what they are but like the root cause and everything it's just sort Mm -hmm. of like it's just one of the mysteries yeah everything you know it's like there's like biology and yeah every you know mm-hmm. five fingers five toes whatever but it's like all this stuff is like yeah we can't really be like you are this because like it's like you can't even really answer like who who am i who are you like what makes a person a person why do i have these likes and dislikes mm-hmm. and all these things like there's some things like we just have to be okay with not like trying to pin down and just let yeah people yeah i don't know yeah exactly because i think i think what i've realized is that like a lot of like the the um, 
the labeling in terms of like low functioning or mm-hmm. high functioning or like these labels that society has come up with it's really like it's based on how you you um present within certain societal norms yeah sure and and it's like that's why why i feel like if if we didn't have so many of these societal norms or if if society were built in a different way there probably wouldn't be as much mm. labeling or there wouldn't be the need for it because i think the reason that there is the need for for to to like name a lot of these things like autism and ADHD and OCD is because we is because folks with autism ADHD OCD generally deviate from from the standard norm that's expected um i mean and that norm is a very it's just like the norm that's been constructed yeah, yeah sure time. sure sure yeah um anyways like cuz i feel like that's what what neuroqueerness is really about like neuroqueering and i feel like even queering like i think there's been a transition where like queerness used to be thought more of as just strictly in the sexuality yeah, way no, it's expanding. and it's really expanding and like the way i view queerness now is deviating from societal norms mm-hmm. of, like mm-hmm. from standard norms rules presentations like and of course like heteronormativity is one subset of subset of queerness but there's so much more to queerness there's neuronormativity there's like all this other stuff so that like that's why i got a pride flag i think and then hopefully like one day like the or just i think maybe even like that definition will just keep expanding to where it's like there is no like they're just one of the same like everybody in their own way has something that makes them yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's not we're just just more things are pop like the definition is expanding to where we're finally gonna realize oh wait a minute like there is no like quote-unquote different it's just everybody literally Mm -hmm. everybody has something yeah that Mm -hmm. they bring to the table that is like isn't just the cookie cutter whatever yeah people like you think that like Mm -hmm. even within my family like some of my family members like don't struggle with what i have struggled with but they're struggling with something that i don't like Mm-hmm. And, or like they have something not yeah. even necessarily mental health but something in their identity their experience whatever and it's just everybody's exactly. got something everybody's yeah, got exactly. something and it's a beautiful thing it's not to say it's everybody's whatever yeah. it's like mm-hmm. you know teach yeah because it's just this, there's so many people that like have this idea and i get it because it's what gets built it, it's what gets built into yeah, us just so people can you know navigate mm-hmm. this versus that this is this this is that yeah you're taught as like a kid, you know, right, left, right, wrong. Yeah. Good, yeah. bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyways, the... Um, gosh, I know. Uh, anyways. I'm, I'm a little all over the place <laughs> no, again. but covering a lot of ground. Yeah. So back to my, my, my previous point, uh, I guess the evolution of all mm-hmm. of this. Um, so yeah, like the podcast and then... Oh, okay, okay. Before I even got to the podcast, first it was, like, I was sharing, like, all these things that I was seeing from other advocates, and then it was actually my dad that gave me an idea, because I had, I brought this, I remember having this conversation with my dad. Wow, I think just, it just, it just clicked to me that it was, like, pretty much 
just exactly one year mm. ago because that's when I I started the podcast. So the basically I had this blog that kind of led to the podcast and the reason I got to the blog was my, I had this conversation with my dad and I remember telling him that I was kind of confused I was kind of um conflicted because like I was starting to write more of my own stuff on Instagram mm-hmm. as well based mm-hmm. on the stuff that I had been seeing and sharing and but then I realized like it's too big to fit the stories mm-hmm. and I'm like I can't I have so much to say but then I I was like originally doing it on Instagram stories and I'm like just like I have to shrink it so much yeah. and no one's going to really like read it that way so then I was like hmm like how do I do like I was like I told him like you know I'm thinking of like starting a blog but then most people are on social media nowadays and I don't know if they're going to see my stuff if I if I write on the blog and then he said well you could you could start a blog and then you could you could link your blog post to social media. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, that's, that's smart. Thanks, dad. Yeah, yeah that's a great <laughs> idea." Um and then I did that and I was like, "Okay, I was really digging it." And I like I like having this space where I can just write, write, write like these big essays or whatever and then just like post them on social media. And then eventually came the podcast because I was like I had started listening to other podcasts of other neurodivergent people and I was like oh wow I really like this this is really cool, yeah. um and and then I was like oh you know I kind of want to I could start a podcast yeah there you <laughs> go there's a light bulb yeah yeah and then I was like oh okay let me do this and then I was like I remember October tenth oh yeah twenty twenty and so that I recorded my first episode and I didn't publish it right away. But I recorded my first episode, I believe it was October 10th, 2022. Oh, yeah. And I sat, I remember, I sat on it for 12 days. Ah. I was just, like, wondering, like, do I publish this? Do I not publish this? Like, is it... And I was all those things in my head, like... Yeah, it's a big, like, yeah. to put yourself out there. Yeah, and I was like, okay, here we go. And then uh, October 22nd, I believe it was October 22nd of 2022, which was exactly a week from now, pretty much. Yeah. Almost one year. It's crazy. It's coming up. It's coming up so fast, but, um, cause I think we're on today's the 14th. Yeah. So a little over a week. Wow. It's coming up. That's exciting. Yeah. And I was like, I remember I just like released it. I was like episode. Oh, fun story too. It was going to be called Unpacking Neurodiversity. Mm. And so if you listen to the first episode, I say something in the very beginning. I say something like, welcome to the first episode of Unpacking Neurodiversity. Because oh, it was going to be Unpacking That's what it was at the time. Yeah, it was, that was what it was at the time. And then it became Unpacking Neuroqueerness, um, like within a few episodes. But um, yeah, I love the, love the like, the yeah, development. It was like, it all, it's like really cool. Like just looking back and it's like, wow, like my podcast was a baby, you know, it's grown. Like, yeah, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Yeah. So, so that was like really, really cool. That's a little bit of like, um, history, the history and the (laughs) trajectory. And I guess one thing I wanted to, um, I wanted to like start wrapping up with is, um, the, uh, so one thing like just recently like I guess progressing like after the podcast and everything I found so there's this other advocate that I just interviewed um 
recently, Ashra Pitterman, I think, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, but Ashra is really cool. She's another advocate that I discovered. Uh, so she has an Instagram, Autistic Thrifter, and I, I originally discovered her by following her Instagram page. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw a video that she made um, that resonated with me very much and or that was just really helpful. Like, I really needed to hear that, Um, that she said, like, it was basically saying it's okay to be. It was like the whole point of the video was like, it's okay to be autistic. It's okay to feel things intensely. It's okay to not understand social situations. It's okay to have meltdowns. It was just like this very validating validating like affirming affirming reassuring beautiful yeah yeah it's like i really like just this thing like i really needed and then Mm -hmm. i remember even sharing it and i was like wow this is so awesome um and then i i remember like eventually i reached out to her i asked if she wanted to be on my podcast and she agreed to come on my podcast we had uh it's episode 127 which one of my last, it's a second to last episode okay. I've done. Uh, it'll be two episodes, two or three episodes before this. Because um, I want to release this one as the anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and I remember, yeah, I had this great conversation uh, with her. And, darn it. No, not the the thought. So many things. So many things. The thought escaped again. Um, gosh, I wish I could remember. Um, but I. Okay, so I had her. You had like a nice long conversation. She said all those like affirming things. She said those affirming things. I even told her like you know I, I started like that video that you made. You know like that's, encouraged me to reach out to you because like it was really powerful. Um, gosh, okay, mm-hmm. it's okay. I had another if thought. If it comes back to you, you can add it, a little more. I'll add a little more <laughs> when it comes back to me. Um, yeah, uh, so I think I'll, we can wrap up for today because I, I don't want to, like, take up a lot oh, more no. time. Um, time flies. It does fly, yeah. I guess maybe one final yeah, 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 question I have for you is... What was that experience like, like, transitioning, like, college and then into the Meisner training, I guess, <laughs> focusing more on the Meisner training? How has that that been in terms of, like, furthering this journey of... Um, it's been uh, pretty amazing, yeah. Just, I mean, even, like, like, just, like, starting the training is, like, my absolute favorite thing ever. Like, I love it, love it, love it so much. It's, like, I can't even explain it. But it's just been very interesting to just like reflect back on like those struggling times because it's like I like got over it and I was like okay that's it that's in the past but it is important to like take the time to like mm. process and be like yeah that like you know just not get over, just not to just like move on from the hard stuff but also then be like okay how can I like build this and make myself like stronger from or whatever because I found myself like just put stuffing it down or whatever. Like you, you'd even ask me to come on my podcast a couple months ago. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this, but like, it is important to be able to like, just like own every part of you. Yeah. I think I'm, you know, I really attribute to the training. I mean, I'm only like, you know, I haven't finished it yet. I'm like still in the beginning, if you will. But, um, yeah, just owning and celebrating yourself and like 
just like because like I think I started doing this like I like I had been just like because I like I've been better for like I've been in a good place for like almost a year now but I had just been like okay I'm just gonna get away from that I want to like move forward move forward move forward but I think like when I really started to like draw attention to it in a positive way not just be like oh my because I've never wanted to like throw myself a pity party I'm not gonna be like oh that was so hard that was so bad but to like just find like strength in it and like when I met you at like the film festival I was like I should go up and like <laughs> say hi to this guy because like I really like what he's saying and like what he stands for and stuff so and that was like the first time I had really been like hey you know I struggle with some stuff too like you know I really appreciate you saying all those things like and just like owning who you are and stuff like that and so these I don't know so I think I don't sound too well spoken right now but I guess my point is just that um like just trying something that I've learned from like you know these past couple years is just like it 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 was you know it, it can be hard it can be like tricky to navigate but like you you can always turn something no matter how, like, I don't want to say terrible, but, you know, like, how hard something might be. It can be turned in. You can flip it. Mm-hmm. There's always a yeah. way to find the brighter side, more positive side. Not, like, stuffing it down and being like, no, I'm fine now. I'm fine now. But being like, yeah, that was tricky. But because of that, I have this in my life. Or because of that, yeah. like, this thing that makes this also, like, there's, there's the, like, a silver lining or a mm-hmm. positive side or, like, you know, because now I'm, like, you know. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. always, yeah. there's always, like, there's always a bright side, or even if it's, like, hard now, like, there's, nothing is, nothing is, like, 100%, 100%. bad, yeah. or hard, or, uh-huh. you know, because it made me, you know, because who knows? I mean, if I didn't mm-hmm. go through that, I wouldn't be doing Yeah, that. no, exactly, and it's, like, a lot of the, I mean, I think that was very well said, <laughs> and um, I think it is, like, a lot of the twists and turns in life are like that, and... Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that, like, I was able to impact you with yes, that speech. No, of yeah, course. thank you. Yeah, um, and um, uh, yeah, and just like your film too, like yeah. in the film festival. Like, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, because I feel like, like that's what's so awesome and powerful about community and mm-hmm. finding other people that would, you know, that process information or that see the world in a similar way to you Mm -hmm. um or that have had struggles similar to yours because it it makes people comfortable speaking out like when when enough people talking talk enough about something and like that's why I'm, i'm such a big advocate for speaking out more and more about these things is that it it makes people it, when you speak out about these things, it makes other people feel more comfortable mm-hmm. uh, acknowledging that in, in themselves and and like speaking out themselves as well. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then not only that, but also people who might not even like realize that they, they have something to exactly. share. Like they've just been stuffing it down, yeah. and it makes because everybody's got uh-huh. something. That's mm-hmm. the you know I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. not only just because I've been through something, and you know I may not look it, or people might think whatever, but also just I go out at like. I've been through something like I I wonder what everybody else is carrying. You know what I yeah. mean? So something like that. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> um I this was such an amazing episode. I think this is gonna be just perfect for, for the one year anniversary. Oh, well, oh so. it's my honor. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um 
yeah well without further ado thank you everyone for listening i hope you you enjoyed this episode thank you again emma (laughs) thank Um, you and yeah i'll see you guys next time and happy one year anniversary to everybody Um.